Good evening. Welcome to another edition of A Drink and a Talk. I am your host, Marcus, and I am joined today with Derek as my co-host, along with Jason. And we have a very special guest today. This is my awesome cousin, uh, Shakia Flowers. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on this evening. Oh, no problem. No problem. Uh, as everybody's aware, we this is uh, what November first, and uh, basically this starts a very awesome trend. This is something that needs to be talked about, uh, and not just talked about, but also needs to be practiced. And that is the Movember challenge. And I heard about this challenge, oof, what, uh, more than a couple of years ago. I think I heard about it from you, Derek. And it got me interested because it, it definitely touches on a range of topics, uh, not just with men's mental health, just mental health in general, but it also touches on, uh, uh, from what I read on different websites, uh, cancer, et cetera, et cetera. So in today's uh, segment, we're just going to sit down and we're going to basically discuss a lot of things dealing with uh, mental health and at the same time, the stigma that comes with it. So I'm going to open the floor up to my cousin, and I just want to get your thoughts when it comes down to mental health and treatments for it. Okay, so there are several different treatments when it comes to mental health, and it really depends on um, your, the therapist that you choose, their approach to um, addressing whatever the diagnosis is. So mental health is extremely prevalent, um, especially now during a time of the pandemic where people are having to face a new reality. Um, and that is, you know, spending more time in, indoors and not being able to get out, not being able to um, self-care in ways that they would normally do so. And so depression does start that in. Um, you might notice that uh, couples are starting to bicker a little more. Your children are starting to get that cabin fever. It's because we're not getting that time apart and that, and that space to kind of take care of our own selves, which we would normally be able to do um, had there not been a, a, a pandemic, right? And so there are those who are out. <laughs> their chances. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's their individual choice to do so. But when it comes to mental health, um, especially, you know, when we talk about men, it's just, um, it's not talked about enough. I think that um, men, are, men are more likely to underreport symptoms when it comes to mental, mental health. Um, mm -hmm. Symptoms may seem um, a little different from women. So we do, what we do know is that men, women are more likely to be treated for mental health. Men are not. Like I said, men are more likely to underreport because of stigma. Mm -hmm. um, we also know that the, the suicide rate when it comes to mental health in men is much higher. Well, it's considerably higher than women's. And so it is definitely an issue that men need to discuss. And we need to have therapists that are open to talking about therapy or talking about treatment in a ways um, that is sensitive to how men approach their mental health. Okay. Valid point. Uh, Jason, I'm going to open the floor to you, man. Uh, my question to you is, when it comes down, uh, have you ever experienced, you know, depression, anxiety, any of these symptoms? And did you really feel that you could talk to somebody about it, be it a therapist, a close friend, a mentor? Um. Yeah, I, I, I can I can safely say that I, I've experienced depression and anxiety. And um just kind of, uh, for me, like I had friends that I could talk to and I talked to them, but I don't think they could truly, I, I, I think for men, uh, it's hard for us to talk and connect on a level of our feelings and everything else because we've grown up in a very toxic state of a phrase that I absolutely hate to hear. And that's suck it up buttercup. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and so I had kind of a life changing experience uh, to where I kind of knew at that point I had to go and seek therapy. 
because I'm in therapy now. I go, I see a therapist uh, twice a month to to kind of to deal with stuff. And um, this uh, like this whole topic, like we've talked before about how important this topic is to us, and um, it's something I don't think it's addressed enough or taken seriously at a level of it should be. Okay. Why, why do you think it hasn't been taken that seriously? Uh, I, I don't think it's been taken that seriously because of the mentality of how we grow up and everything else. And there's a large burden that is put on men and it's it, it kind of goes back to like the whole macho and the suck it up buttercup references like so you would, have would you, to do that would you say it's more so based on upbringing then or environment uh, i say it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. when it comes to that because you have there there are people there there are people my age that are having kids that are more open to this than when I grew up. Like, mm-hmm. I I never remember seeing my dad cry. I didn't see my dad cry at his father's funeral or his mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I, and you grow up with that kind of mentality, it's hard to push through those barriers to kind of open yourself up and everything else. I mean, for me with my therapy, it's kind of helped me open up and like, now I just talk about everything and you can't get me to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Derek, Derek, what about yourself? um, I've always viewed it as, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it here. Um, it's kind of similar to what Jason said, where it's a little bit of a product of upbringing as well as environment, where a lot of people, they almost want to not admit that they have problems or they have depression, things like that, almost as if they're scared or they, they're they uh, afraid of someone making fun of them. They, they don't want to seem weak. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're afraid to go out and search for help just because they don't want people to view them as weak. They don't want to be... Uh, viewed as having any kind of problems ment- mentally, physically, however you put, like however you put it. Yeah. And I was actually discussing this with Jason a couple of days ago about how a lot of men treat their lives in the world as if they were Atlas holding the world on their back, mm-hmm. and they're almost afraid to ask for help just because they feel like they should be able to handle anything that the world throws at them. Okay. Well. I will I will agree with you guys, but I will add on to that because for me it's 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 a double bladed sword in in a sense. Uh, for me, I do believe that this definitely needs to be talked about. This definitely needs to basically not only just be talked about but also practice. Uh, growing up in a household with my mother and my uh, stepfather, uh, my stepfather he tried his best to embody that of a macho man. You know, never cry, never show weakness. He did his best to instill that in us. And to answer your question, Jason, I do believe it's not only a product of of your environment, but it's also a product of the media. Because when you look at movies, let's go back to the 80s here. You look at Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. If you look, and, and Charles Bronson, you look at their characters and you see that they give off a macho man type, uh, not only physique, but at the same time mentality of nothing bothers them except for getting the job done, you know, and you don't really see the reality of it, of their actions where it could permanently scar them for life. And so with my experience, and I believe, uh, uh, cousin, I talked to you a few times about this, you know, dealing with the stuff that I'm dealing with. Uh, I recently had a talk with my mother and she apologized to me. And the apology was that she didn't know 
nor could she basically give me the information on how to basically deal with what I'm dealing with right now. And that is true, but I don't blame her. So for me, it's like, okay, take this opportunity, go seek therapy, hang out with close friends that either have dealt with it or understand somewhat of what I'm going through to basically help me through this tough time. So I'm going to move it along and we're definitely going to talk about some of the stigmas here because I like the way Jason uh, put the uh, suck it up buttercup. And I will, I'll I'll say it like this. I've heard, I've heard them all. It was, you know, uh, men don't cry, suck it up, you know, man up. About that man up. Oh, man up! Yes, man up. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, I have, a, I, I have a, I have a slight problem with man up, mm-hmm. and I think, I think my slight problem with man up is the context of that how you use man up. Mm-hmm. Um, because, mm-hmm. because, yeah. because I was actually talking to my friend about this today before I drove back home, and we were talking about it, and he said man up, and I was like, you know, you can say man up to somebody. And then follow it up with like, you know, it's time for you to man up, get the help that you need and move forward. But if you just say man up, then I think it be, kind of comes a toxic saying. So it's yeah. all about the, the concept at that point. Oh, yeah. not, not concept, context. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe- I, I think that absolutely that makes a difference when you explain what man up means, but mostly when people hear it, it is suck it up buttercup. That's the, the intention behind it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, when you tell somebody to man up or mature and go get the help you need, that's a different thing because that's showing care behind it. And I think you guys have said so much in terms of um, how we address, how, how we teach um, emotional intelligence and boys and young men, right? Uh, You're And again, like you said, Mark, it does, you know, the messages you get from your parent absolutely impact how you you view the world and how you approach um, solving problems or issues. Um, But again, like you said, it's not about blaming your parent, but once you realize that this is a problem area, it's important for you to take the responsibility to um, get the help that you need to grow from that and to learn something different. So like, you know, once you're an adult, that responsibility is on you to do the exploration and take care of those things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If uh, if I may, I'm gonna share this with you guys, uh, Shakia, if you don't mind. Uh, I believe there was a conversation with your father that I had that really started me down this path of understanding my mental health and also changing the way I think. Mayhem, we, we, we spoke, uh, of course, about jazz <laughs> and the bears. And uh, I was going through a tough period in my life. And he literally just said it right then and there. He was like, you know, Marcus, it's okay to cry. And that I was taken aback by that because I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, what? What is this? What is this cry concept? You know? Mm-hmm. And you know, he he broke it down for me. He broke it down. He was just like, you know, it's okay for a man to cry. You know, if somebody make fun of you, let them make fun of you. He was like, if you already know your friends are going to have your back. You know, if they see you cry, of course, they're going to be like, hey, bro, are you okay? Hey, let's talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But he was like, it's okay to get that emotion out, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, anger because... Uh, one of the things that I self-diagnose myself with is uh, passive-aggressive anger, because there will be things that I basically see or hear, and it's like, I know it makes me mad, but I let it slide when I'm like, okay, no, I should say something or I should do something about this. Mm-hmm. And I wait until it bottles up inside, and then next day, you know, it's like just unexpectedly, and it has happened. I will just erupt on somebody, an innocent person, and then next thing you know, I'm I'm feeling guilty about that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my question to you, uh, Shakia, is: Do you have any tips for people who are passive aggressive when it comes down to that matter? 
So I th again, it's, I think it's again, that self-exploration is really important. Let's explore where the anger comes from. You also have to recognize that anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is a secondary or sometimes tertiary emotion. And when I say that, I mean, before you feel anger, you feel hurt, you feel, you feel frustration, you feel disappointed. And then the anger comes. And then after a while, the anger just starts to come more easily. It's the fourth, it's the first, it starts to be performed or behaved more than mm -hmm. the, and so, um, and I think the other part of it is like, not really, like, I don't really want to hurt. This is somebody I love. This is somebody I care about, mm -hmm. hurt them. And so I'm going to bottle it up so that I'm not hurting them in the meantime, I'm hurting, right? And if you don't address your own hurt, you become, it becomes a pressure cooker. Nobody gets depressed overnight. It's a process. It's, it's your brain, your, it's literally your brain chemical adjusting to, it's creating this new baseline of sadness and hopelessness and um, helplessness and lack of motivation. Like you get to that point. It doesn't just happen overnight. And so when you we aren't able to do it, and one of the, the symptoms of depression in men is aggression, right? Mm -hmm. um, don't address it. It's a, it's, you're in a pressure cooker. You literally have a pressure cooker inside of your body and eventually it's going to come out. And sometimes it comes out in, in, in like this big way where there's an eruption. And then sometimes it comes down out on a breakdown where you just feel, you feel like you're spiraling and you can't catch yourself, mm -hmm. understand why, right? And so oh, I yeah. think it's, you, it's important to explore where the anger comes from and then get the help you need. And when I say get the help you need, like you can't, you can't think depression away. You can't will it away. You can't hope it away, right? Because mm -hmm. your principles have literally been altered. You have to get, um, get into therapy and perhaps that might even mean that taking medication which is a whole nother issue of stigma. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, and uh, you know, it's, yeah, it people say I'm not taking medication. I'm not crazy. It's not a matter of being crazy. And I like to normalize psychiatry in a way that, like, if you had high blood pressure, you take a high blood pressure medication, right? And then yeah. you your you alter your 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 diet and you get the exercise so that you can get healthy. And that's the same way that I think about depression. Is it's just I normalize it just like we normalize hypertension. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jason, pass it off to you, brother. Oh, about anger. <laughs> Anger's, anger's a fun subject for me. Um, <laughs> well, like, uh, a lot of people don't know, like, you, you, you and Derek know, I am a large fella. So... Like <laughs> <laughs> near, near Yeti proportions. But, uh, like growing up, you know, and being like a foot taller than all kids when I was growing up, I always got told, you know, you don't get angry, you don't get mad. You get angry, you get mad, somebody can get hurt. Yeah. So I grew up, I grew up with that mentality of, okay, well, anger, angry, getting angry and getting mad is something I cannot do. And, and plus, let's face it, nobody likes me when I'm angry. <laughs> and um and uh so for like the longest time i went through life just not getting angry and i mean like you'd have those blow-ups because you would bottle stuff up and i would blow up and it was even worse than what it was before and then when i finally started going to therapy you know like my therapist she just looked at me and she goes, you know, it's okay for you to be angry. Like that is a human emotion. That's what you're supposed to do. You get mad. And yeah. oh, I was a big giant falling mess at that point in time. <laughs> and, and, um, but it, it, it's, it's true. Like, I don't think I kind of going back to what we've talked about before with, you know, men bottling stuff up because that's what we're supposed to do you know, we, we don't get to express our anger in, in ways that we should in a healthy way. Like mm -hmm. you, every guy should have a right to be like, Hey, look, you know what? I'm mad right now. I, I am, I am pissed off and it should be okay. But a lot of times we don't get that because we get, 
well, I'm, I'm doing this. I can't, I can't do this right now. And it just builds up to where it becomes unhealthy proportions. And it's, it's like what, it's like what, uh, your cousin said it, it, it's, you know, it comes out neither in a big eruption or a, uh, or a breakdown and it's never good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, would you like to share? Well, going off of what Jason was saying, as far as anger, I actually went through anger management myself as a child. Uh, I was, I was believe in elementary school at the time and I, I had a very explosive anger, we'll say. And I've, I feel like, I've done a complete 180 since then, where instead of explosive, I've actually become implosive, where a lot of times I'll get super irate or agitated, things like that. And I'll start taking it out on myself rather than being out in the open with it and things like that. And I, I feel like that kind of goes back to the whole uh, depression part of it. It's not being able to truly show your emotions the way you like or being expected to uh, portray them a certain way. And it's, it, it's a really interesting thing to think about because there are certain expectations that people expect of men or female or however you see yourself. And it's, and I'm, I'm trying to think of the right words to actually say for it. It's just, you, you almost feel like you're stuck to a certain role and you have to do things the way that society wants you to do them, not the way that you personally want to do them. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm going to share this because I had an episode where I blew up and the guilt was a lot. And uh, this involves, well, I'm not going to basically go into details, but there was one night, of course, I'm sitting there talking to uh, my brother and my cousin. And I was, this is, I, I, I've been bottling this up before like months. And it had a lot to do with my wife. And she overheard me say some things that were hurtful. And we didn't talk about it like right then and there, but the moment it became apparent that she heard everything that I said, that's when the guilt came over me. And Basically, me just sitting down and thinking about this, that's why I was like, okay, I have an anger management problem. You know, I sit back, I allow things to get to me, and the moment I can't take it anymore, I explode. And so I agree with what everybody is saying here. Uh, When it comes down to anger management, I believe that um, in order to deal with it in a proper manner, Of course, you can basically find a quiet room, go to your car, whatever you prefer, and scream, shout, do whatever. Uh, For me, it's going to basically be just, you know, talking it out, going to work out so that way I get that extra aggression off, you know, stuff like that. And that brings me to the next topic. And that is also, that's that's basically just dealing with, it's going to basically be dealing with depression. Because for at least four months, I've been dealing with depression. And of course, I'm finding healthy ways now to deal with depression. So I just want to ask, when it comes down to depression, you know, how would you guys deal with it? How will, you know, what, what are the early stages that you guys see within yourselves or even a friend? where you just like, okay, bro, you need to take a time out because it's about to get serious, you know? So, uh, cousin, I'm gonna open it up to you first. Yeah, so I think when it comes to depression, when it's, depression is such a, it's a quiet kind of a thing, it creeps in. And so one of the things that Derek mentioned that, you know, kind of made me think about, you know, depression is the way he said he, when he would be angry, he would kind of internalize it. And so, I think I would imagine that part of that is like negative self-talk and the self-doubt that kind of comes along with it. And like, you know, why didn't I address it this way? Why didn't I, um, why couldn't I say this? Why, you know, and just all the things that come with, you know, again, the stigma, right? And if if I'm constantly telling myself, if we got from years of telling myself that I'm not, I'm not good enough to handle this, or I'm not good enough to, to address this or whatever that negative self-talk is, 
that compounds over years and years and years. And so, um, and eventually our brain just kind of mows around that, like that, that negative, that negative self-talk, that, um, that sadness and that hopelessness, because if I've constantly told myself this, how can I feel hopeless? How can I feel like anybody can help me if I can't help myself, right? And so we continue to bottle it up, bottle it up. And along with that, and the cousin, or I even say the brother or sister to depression is anxiety. And we don't mm-hmm. talk about that enough either. And again, yes. so comes with having depression and anxiety at the same time. It's like, I'm worried about everything and literally can't do anything about it. I don't feel like I could do anything about it. So you might find yourself sitting and staring at a wall, but the whole time you're worrying about what I have to do, why I can't do this. And you can't get yourself up to go do it. Oh, and so yeah. those, those are the things that, we need to be conscious of is like when you start to feel like that. I mean, there are times when you feel sad, obviously there's a loss or, you know, there's an argument that, you know, you're going to feel some of those things. It's feeling it over a period of time is what really makes a difference. When you start to feel it for weeks, then it's time to, you know, check in with yourself and see how I'm really feeling, what I need to do to address, um, address this. And most times people have been dealing with depression for months before they even, start to um, take care of it or address it or acknowledge it. I think the first step, you know, is acknowledging the fact that something is not right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Derek, would you like to add to that? I mean, she pretty much hit the nail right on the head right there. That's, that's basically <laughs> what I was saying as far as like the uh, being implosive and uh, uh, self-destructive kind of thing, like that whole, that whole little bit. Um, I really don't have much to add to that. She pretty much said everything I had in mind on that. (laughs) (laughs) Jason? Uh, I I know, like, um, for me, when I get into, like, when I start getting depressed or something like that, I I start to lose interest in stuff that I love. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of pull more within myself. I have a, um, a coping mechanism that turns into a bit of nihilism and apathy to where I, I just start, my mantra becomes, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And um, so like for me, I, I know when that starts to become a heavy, when, when it starts to become easy to say that, or if I'm doing something that I love and I just don't have the interest in it, then mm-hmm. I know that's when I need to step back take a look at myself um, I kind of look for the same things w- within my friends. Like if my friends or people that I'm close to, I notice are like, yeah, I don't feel like doing that or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of get an idea or a feeling of, you know, something's going on. So uh, I, I have a similar situation myself where if I start feeling depressed or like starting a lot of anxiety, things like that, uh, I, I know personally, I tend to start losing interest in things like you were saying. And um, I'll also start getting really distant with people. I'll start getting quiet. We really won't hold conversations very well. Yeah. And that's when I start to notice it myself a little bit. Like, all right, something's going on. I'm in, I'm in a rut. Like, what, what's going mm-hmm. on? Kind of thing. Well, for me, it was it was it was the opposite at first, and it was uh, the passing of two favorite people of mine. I would find myself sitting on my couch like my wife accused me of basically just playing too many video games or watching YouTube and I have to inform her I'm not really playing video games or watching YouTube like literally my my mind is on autopilot you know it's like reflex you know playing a game or watching YouTube because I'm not really fully engaged in those activities you can zone out you can zone out yeah i'm zoned out because i'm still in my mind i'm like oh you know this just happened like what what the hell you know i'm like one of those guys i zone out like no one's business trust me yeah oh yeah. it wasn't it wasn't until recently it wasn't until recently where me and her we we had our falling out and stuff like that where i experienced a heavy depression and a heavy level of anxiety where, you know, I, all my interests, they went out the window, like video games, tabletop games, you know, going out, whatever the case may be, it was like, I didn't want to do anything except be in bed. 
I didn't want to be bothered. You know, I would ignore phone calls and text messages for a while. And I literally just did not want to be bothered because I literally was just in my head like, okay, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? You know, and recently I discovered that that's the problem. You know, uh, a good movie here because I love quoting this, and that is The uh, School of Scoundrels. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton and uh, the guy who played in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Header, John Header. Thank you. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where uh, all these guys are in this classroom, and Billy Bob Thornton's character, he walks in, he sees all these guys, and he's looking around, and he says, how many of you guys own a self-help book? And immediately, everybody raised their hands. And he's looking around. He's like, oh, okay. Second question. Well, how the hell can you help yourself if yourself sucks? And everybody (laughs) was just stuck. They were just looking like, wait, what? (laughs) This took a turn. (laughs) And and, and I'm telling you right now, I laughed so hard because that was so true. and And I think about that. And I thought about that. Because I was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm doing this in reverse. Why am I trying to figure out something for myself when I don't even know how to fully process it, you know? And of course it clicked. It was like, uh, dummy, go talk to other people. Go talk to your inner circle. Go talk to family members that have experience with this. And that's where my journey is taking me right now. And it's, and it's actually been fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's uh, that's going to be another question here, and that is um, when it comes down to uh, not just dealing with your uh, your mental illness, being depression, anxiety, anger, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what are some coping mechanisms that you believe that would actually work in favor of just basically trying to do it yourself? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason, I'll start with you. Oh, I was just scratching my head. wasn't raising my hand, but I'll go. For me, I had some really unhealthy coping, coping mechanisms for a long time. And, um, but over a course of time and going to therapy, I've kind of developed some, some healthier ones. And, um, you know, if I'm to a point to where I can't get to uh, my friends or family to talk to, uh, I'll go for a walk. I'll, um, you know, for, for a while I was, I was working out and that helped. Um, I also kind of find that some time and this can be arguable to a point, but I also find like some, some period of, uh, self-isolation, to a point to where you meditate and mm-hmm. kind of do some intro, uh, intro retrospectiveness, mm-hmm. if that's a word. I don't know, maybe it's a new word now. Introspection. That's what I get for trying to sound smart. Um, <laughs> but like just taking that time, just taking that time to, to meditate and just kind of look in and you can kind of see, you, you know, you can see things from a different perspective when you're focusing in on stuff that you feel you need to change yourself. Cause at the end of the day, the only person that's going to change you or yourself is yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that that's for me, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Shakia, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I think, I think it's important. Well, uh, Jason said a few things. So while he also has, while he has coping skills, he also has self-care and that self-care going to therapy, right? And that between yeah. coping and self-care. So coping is kind of in the moment things. And so there was this clip. I don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all watch This Is Us. That is, t- it's too emotional for me, but every once in a while I watch it. <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming for me to watch it, but there's this clip um, of Randall, you know, he's talking to a friend of his and his friend is asking him, you know, what do you do? Like, I see that you're not well. What do you do to take care of that? He's like, I run. And so, yeah, he runs, but when he comes back, 
that problem is still there. It's still, you know, present. And so coping only hope, help, help, helps in the moment, and, which is good, but then you also need to take care of yourself. And one of, again, one of Jason's, what he said was I self isolate. I take the time to do the introspection. I take the time to take care of myself and check in with myself to see like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to feel this way. And what should I do? What do I need to do for myself? And acknowledging like, this is what I need to do for myself in order for me to start to feel better. Um, Another thing, you know, and I also like the way he used how he talked about coping and he didn't say good or bad coping. He said healthy and unhealthy. And I recognize that like um, one, of the one of the statistics is that men are more likely to uh, um, engage in substance use or substance abuse as a coping mechanism for mm -hmm. oh. and anxiety. And yeah, that, that I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to cut you off, but that that was pretty much one of my turning point in my life. Uh, I went out, went and hung out with a couple friends, and um, I, I was in a bad spot. And I, I ended up drinking a whole bottle of Evan Williams. And then uh, I got in my truck. I, I kind of sobered up a little bit, but I was still kind of drunk. And I got in my truck to drive home. And like on the way home, I was so mad at myself and so angry that like I almost took my hands off the wheel. Like I was I was like seriously thinking about doing that. And then I got pissed at myself again for thinking about doing that. And so I, I kept my hands on the wheel. I got home. And then like the next morning, I was just kind of like, you know what? I, I got to get help. I got to find some way to do this. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. Substance abuse is is something that I don't think people recognize because it kind of goes back to like what Marcus was talking about, like with the movies, like you see the hero in a, in a bad spot and he grabs a drink and he's good to go. And mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they see that. And it's also a, an easy, it, it's like putting a bandaid on the Titanic. Yep. It, it's, oh, yeah. it's not going to help, but it feels like it's helping. It's not helping. It, yeah, it's a, it's a false sense of hope that things are better. But when you come down or when you sober up, that problem is still there. And so, um, like you said, meditation is good. I also talk about grounding exercises. Um, I don't know if you all have ever engaged in like a grounding exercise. This is something that you can do on your own at any place. You could be standing in line and feel irritated and you ground yourself there. Or you can, you know, it could be at work and so you're triggered by something at work. These are things that you can do um, to kind of um, bring yourself to, to center yourself back to where you are or bring yourself back to the present moment. And um, one of those exercises is the five, four, three, two, one um, method. And so the first thing you do is look for five things that you can see. Next thing is look, listen to uh, for four things you can hear, three things you can smell, two things you can touch, one thing you can taste. And so that's just kind of looking around and, and talking to yourself just to bring yourself back into the moment where you are. Um, and I also want to kind of go back a little bit, um, Marcus, when you were talking about depression and how, how your wife saw that in you. And I don't necessarily want to talk about your situation, but depression, it isn't just you suffering or living with the depression. It's also your family members. Mm -hmm. um, your family is also, they don't know what's happening. You're, you don't really know what's happening in the moment. And so they don't know what's happening. So they're responding to what they're seeing. And of course they get upset because they think, oh, you know, you're just doing this or you're just doing, you're not being productive in a way that they feel like is helpful. And so they feel a way about it and then they express it. And what that does is in, it, it reinforces the negative self-talk you already have in your head and then you get angry and you're able to project that onto them. So like there's this cycle that happens with depression. And I think it's important, you know, to understand like it's, it's you, you, you have the physical symptoms, but also your family around you is living with it. The people closest, the people closest to you. And so again, engaging in coping skills and the self-care is going to be very important when um, addressing your depression, and it might include, you know, individual therapy and couples therapy or family therapy. Again, I'm a couples and family therapist, so uh, 
that's my focus. I want to see how it's also impacting the people around you and the messages you're also getting from them. Um, and again, these are all things that people are based on like super um, superficial things because nobody really knows what's going on. Like their world is imploding. They can't really explain why. <laughs> well, uh, I will add to that because uh, <clears throat> I do take responsibility for uh, what happened. Uh, for me, it was, yes, I was going through a depressive state. Uh, the one thing that I will say I definitely take a heavy responsibility for was I did not communicate that this was a tough time for me. I need time to readjust, refocus, you know, and then re-engage. Instead, mm -hmm. I, <clears throat> because I was not taught the proper, I would say the proper procedures for how to deal with it. I acted out, you know, uh, I did treat alcohol. Most, most people aren't though. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me. I found, I found out from a, from a couple of buddies at a couple of jobs and they're like, yeah, man, was, yeah, I was going through this and I just basically just down the thing of whiskey. It's like, wait, whoa, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, it was, I should have communicated, but I, what's up, Jason? <laughs> I said downing whiskey is never the right choice. True. Right. <laughs> and for me, Disclaimer. it was, I, I lean heavily on uh, alcohol. I lean heavily on uh, smoking cigarettes. And basically, to put in layman's terms, I chose the unhealthy route instead of basically the healthy route of basically sitting down with those who love me, those who actually want to see me do better. I pushed them away because I was in that depressive state. I did not know the proper procedures. And that's where I feel like I really messed up in uh, certain scenarios. So, uh, Derek, what about you, my friend? Well, kind of going off of what you guys were talking about a little bit, I feel like part of the problem with that is being able to fully admit that you're having a problem in a situation Mm -hmm. Other people might notice it, but they not not necessarily know what's going on, so they can't really tell you're depressed. They might just think you're in a bad mood or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. One of the hardest things I think for a lot of people to do is just to admit it, to really like understand, like, all right, I'm in this mind state. I need to dig my way out of this. If you really get to the root of what's going on, like myself personally, I used to do competitive powerlifting for a couple of years, and I actually used that as a good way to vent a lot of my aggressions. Because I was exerting my body in other forms of physical uh, physical events, what have you, and it was it was a really good way to really just channel my aggressions, kind of let everything calm itself down. Then after a good workout, it's almost like it's a euphoric state of mind where you start thinking more clearly. Mm -hmm. At least it worked for me that way, anyway. And I, I know personally a lot of a lot of times whenever I get really aggravated or overexerted or depressed, things like that. Finding a good way to really just kind of exert yourself or take your mind off of things just to relax, come back into it with more clarity to really figure out like, all right, this is the situation I'm in. How am I going to fix this? How am I going to remedy this? Where, where do I go from here? And I, I feel like that's a major problem that a lot of people really don't have an outlet for a lot of their anger, their depression, general aggravation, irritation, things like that. It's just, it takes them a long time to really admit that they're having problems to begin with. And then a lot of people don't have a way to really funnel all their aggressions onto something positively. And they, they tend to look for things like like uh, drinking, alcohol, uh, drugs, liquor, whatever vices you might have. Mm -hmm. that, that's my stance on it anyway. Oh, dope. Understood, man. Uh, like I said, there was a for me, it was a lot of things that I leaned on that were negative. Because this actually, instead of basically it being, oh, I choose this, you know, because it's the right thing to do, I can take it a step further and say, this is something that I've witnessed in, uh, on, I would say, I would say I, I witnessed it on my mom's side of the family. When things got roughed or when, you know, somebody's going through something, of course, alcohol is introduced. So 
on a family scale of it all, you do sort of pick up things from your family that you witness, you know, uh, as you're young. And so for me, I witnessed uncles, aunties, you know, they would go through something, be it a divorce or uh, argument or whatever the case may be. And of course, <clears throat> alcohol is introduced. And of course, it's a it's a substance that basically alleviates the pain for the moment, but it doesn't solve everything. And that's okay. what I'm coming to terms with. It's like, no, I got to be sober here. I got to figure this out. <laughs> you know, I got to sit down, talk to a therapist, uh, hang out with some buddies that are sober and literally deal with this issue as it happens. And basically dealing with things that happen, uh, that brings me to the next topic, which is uh, self-esteem. And when it comes down to self-esteem, me and, me and uh, my father, we had a chat about this when he came to visit me. And I told him, I was like, you know, <clears throat> there are times where I'm getting compliments, you know, up the wazoo. Uh, people will tell me how I'm, a, I'm an amazing person. I'm, I'm a great person, you know, stuff like that. But there are days where I sit back and I judge myself too harshly. I will sit there and, you know, bring myself down not to a normal level, but below normal level of saying that, you know, I'm only in this position because of this and not because of myself. I need to push harder because I don't feel like I am being genuine. And for me, that, that causes a burnout that happens way too quick, in my opinion. So my thing is, my question to you guys is when it comes down to self-esteem, uh, what are your thoughts on it, and how do you feel that you should deal, uh, deal with it? You know, uh, Shakira, I'm going to open the floor up to you. Yeah, so I think that a couple of things that you, you know, you said in the way that you kind of talked about, like, taking responsibility with your, for your behavior and um, when things happen or not being able to communicate and self-esteem, all of those things are symptoms of depression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I'm working with, when I'm working with people, I, one of the places I hope to get to is a place where I can s separate the person from the depression and recognize that this is not who you are. Depression is not who you are. It's what you have. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I can separate the depression, then we can work against the depression. We can, we can, we can separate and we can, um, align ourselves as a, as you know, in a therapeutic rapport, to fight the depression. And so that means a part of what depression does is make you lose your, it makes you feel worthless. It makes you feel like you're not good enough. And so you overanalyze yourself, you overjudge yourself and you um, you don't feel like you're worthy enough to receive any good, worthy enough to receive a compliment, right? Mm -hmm. yes. That's a function of depression. And so I, you know, at some point people, who, who experience these symptoms have to get to a place of that when they start to feel low self-esteem. Is this how I really feel about myself or is this depression talking? Um, and so when it comes to self-esteem, it, it has to be some, it's internal. Like, where do you see your value? Where do you see yourself good at? Like, what are the things you know you're good at? And you focus on those positives about, about yourself. That doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge the flaw in yourself, it means that these are the things I'm good. And yeah, I did do that. That was pretty good. I am good at that. And so it's replacing that negative self-talk with positive self-talk. And it's getting the treatment for the depression so that you can do that. Depression literally will keep you, like in your mind, you can have the conversation, like you know what you wanna say, but it just, it physically can't come out. And that's- it's the, almost, it's almost, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go uh, ahead. It's almost as if you really need to look at yourself and acknowledge your own self-worth to really be able to assess whatever depression you might be going through at the time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what I'm getting from this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you're going with, though? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, you separate, like, I am worthy. Depression is telling me I'm not worthy, but I know that I'm worthy, and I know that I have purpose. And so you look at your life, and, you, you know, sometimes it, it might require you writing it down. What is my purpose? 
here. Like, right? I'm I'm a good friend. I'm a, you know, I'm a good spouse. I'm a good brother. I'm a good uncle. Um, and it isn't necessarily about what you do for other people, but also how well you treat yourself. Like I work out. Um, I'm uh, creative. I'm, you know, is naming the different things that you see yourself as. Like how, what are the positives? How do you see yourself, your self-worth? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, Jason, would you like to add to that? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a hard follow-up, right? <laughs> no, it is a hard follow-up, but it's also a really hard question. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from dealing with depression and anxiety and all that stuff, um, you're right, you do get beat down. Um, I, I have friends tell me all the time just how good and how great I am and I, I don't feel it like I've I've been through depression I've made some really bad mistakes because of my depression and stuff of that nature and I, I've hurt some people and I, I'll be honest with you like I feel like a piece of shit at a lot of time and mm-hmm. people you know people tell you hey you're great and and I, I just kind of get honest with them I was like no I'm not I'm, I'm a piece of shit and I, I feel that way sometimes. I, I know I know it's about finding your self-worth and everything else like that. And, and I know I have good qualities and I try to put forth those good qualities. I try to be the best person that I am. But depression is such a huge just self-esteem killer mm-hmm. that it, it's hard to push through that barrier at times. It is. So oh, yeah. like, so I, I guess like for me, you know, I just try to keep what I hold as strong moral values and, you know, I try to work towards those, those values and those morals. I, um, uh, one of the first things I did when I went back to therapy, well, when I went, started therapy was you know, I made a list of qualities of what I think a man or me should have. And then kind of the toxic traits that I think I have. And I just had to work through them. And yeah. that's kind of like where I'm at now with myself is working through those traits and trying to focus on the important stuff, the stuff that I find important, then and just get past those those negative traits. Yeah, that's a that's a really good that's a really good tool to kind of write down how you see how you how you see yourself or how you want to see yourself. Your pros that's and cons list to yourself. Yeah. 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 So uh, Derek. I, I, honestly, I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have pretty much covered everything mm-hmm. I was even gonna say on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Apparently, uh, Derek's job for the night is to sit there and look pretty. I, I know. <laughs> look at that beard. He's the validator for the night. Yep. <laughs> I, I I agree. I uh, approve this message. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what I was talking about a little bit ago. It's just uh, it's identifying your self worth and trying to pull yourself back out of that depression or whatever rut you might be in at the time. And it, it's just really acknowledging your self-worth and trying to put forth the effort to fix yourself i mean that, that that's kind of my big stance on this topic anyway it's it's almost like the whole um, you can't love someone else until you truly love yourself absolutely mm-hmm. kind of that whole mentality to it mm-hmm. yeah well it, it's just identifying and admitting that you have a problem and trying to work through it and uh, you, you really can't do that without having at least some self-worth and seeing yourself as a positive way. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you always see yourself as a negative, like you're always trying to pinpoint everything that's wrong with you instead of trying to work on the things that are actually good or uh, trying to fix what's wrong with you, then you're always going to look down on yourself and always be in that little depressive mentality state mm-hmm. because you're constantly looking down on yourself. Well, and so I think I'll, part of it too is like, just acknowledge like nobody is perfect. Nobody is ever going to be all right every single time right 
you know, acknowledge and we can we can acknowledge our strengths and our weaknesses and still feel self-worth. Um, that that perfectionist piece is also another function of depression and anxiety. Um, this need to have everything together. And how often are people smiling through depression? Right? How how often are people, you know, there's a such thing as high functioning depression. And what they do is they throw all their self and all of themselves into their work or into this one thing while, and, but that's just a way to avoid what the real problem is. And eventually something happens and they either erupt or, you know, they spiral. And, it, and that's, a, that's a fast spiral when it, fi- when it finally starts to happen. Oh so yeah. Lots of people, a lot of people will smile through it because they feel like they have to keep up this image of perfection. But the reality is nobody thinks you're perfect. <laughs> Nobody. Oh yeah. <laughs> the problem I had for a little while myself is, I, I when I like I said earlier when I went through the uh, anger management I went through, I used to be rather explosive with my anger, and then it more so transformed. I, I didn't necessarily deal with my anger. I just switched it to being explosive to implosive, where I kind of bottle things up after a long period of time, and then it, it's almost like it just starts eating away at myself, and I started acting irrational, irrationally and. Uh, doing things I wouldn't normally do and it really affects who I am at the time yeah and mm-hmm. it almost seems like that's actually worse than being explosive like granted explosive you can hurt yourself you can hurt other people you can do damage to things it, it could be even fatal to some people but nobody but, knows what's going on inside of you though but you exactly oh yeah, yeah. At, at times it's honestly too late it, it's one of those the damage is done it's already been sinking in over mo- weeks possibly months it's it's really hard to judge people's aggression and depression things like that if they're really inward mm-hmm. themselves they won't really talk to anyone about it mm-hmm. well i i feel the same way yeah, i feel that um bottling it up is way worse than just exploding right then and there uh like i said i shared my story earlier and just thinking back on it, it's like, oh God, what was I thinking? You know, now I'm I'm finding healthy coping uh, coping mechanism for it, and hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm I mean, right now I'm doing great. That's the best part. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings brings me to my final question of the night, and uh, that is uh, reading material. Uh, what do y'all What do you guys would recommend for something? You know, dealing with uh, self improvement dealing with mental uh, issues, you know, just some, just, just, it, it, it could be light reading material. It could be a book, whatever. <laughs> what do you, what would you guys recommend? Um, I, I recommend, uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It's Mark Manson, Marson, something like that. But the book is called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I, and, I was li- uh, I was listening to the audio uh, the audio book of that uh, a couple of nights ago, and that is actually a very good book. I might just end up buying. Yeah, it. yeah. And, and, and like the one thing that truly sticks with me even to this day, and it, it's it's I tell people this every time they talk to me, and that is to live is to suffer, and you choose how you suffer. There's good suffering and there's bad suffering. Mm-hmm. And it all comes down to like the choices that you make and everything else. Um, I have kind of started dabbling into uh, looking into the philosophy of stoicism. And um, that's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, but if, if you were to straight up ask me for a recommendation, I would say the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Shakia, do you got any uh, reading recommendations? Um, so, yeah, one of the books, and this this is kind of dense, but it's the Body Peaks Four. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a book about um, just the way your body is impacted by the traumas we've experienced in life, and how it shows up in different places in our life. So, I think that's a really good book. Um, but again, it's it's a dense read. I would it's not a sit down and you know go through the whole book at once. It's a couple pages at a time, kind of a. Okay. I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch the name of that. What was the name of that book again? The Body Keeps Score. Okay. 
Yeah. And let's see, the, the author of it, I'm just looking up real quick. Um, well, while she's looking at up, uh, I recommend uh, Jocko Willick's uh, Extreme Ownership. That is a very great read. I literally burned through that book in three days. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently rereading it. It, it was that good. Uh, the next one is uh, Charlemagne the God's uh, Anxiety, My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me. Um, <clears throat> that definitely gives you an insight into not only the male psyche, but also the black male psyche of, of mental health and mental health awareness. And both of those books have been tremendous on, you know, to me through this whole period. It is a very great read. If you can find the audio book of it, please, I encourage you to download it, give it a good listen. It, those two books right there have been amazing. Uh, Derek, you got any books? Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't really read a lot of like mental health books and things like that. Um, Not exciting at all. <laughs> I, I personally, I, I do read very well. I just don't read very often. <laughs> um, Dr. Seuss doesn't count. <laughs> well, it was my pick. I've read a lot of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> no, um, personally, I like diving into like a, a good fantasy book, like anything Star Wars or uh, Lord of the Rings or anything off the wall like that. Um, recently, I went out to uh, Barnes & Noble. I know this has nothing to do with any kind of mental health, just kind of more of a, a distraction of myself anyway. Um, I like to read a lot of uh, Ernest Hemingway. I got a um, complete storybook of um, I can't, I just blanked the guy's name. Um, Cthulhu, um, Jason, help me out here. H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft, thank you. H.P. Lovecraft? Yes, I got a complete works of H.P. Lovecraft I've been reading through some of his uh, more darker stories that he has. Okay. And I also got yeah. a, um, it's almost like a Sparknote version of Eastern philosophy. And it has some things like from um, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. It's got little snippets from that and stuff like that in there. Mm-hmm. It's like different, I like little distraction books, things like that myself. Okay. But I don't really have anything around mental health per se. Okay. It helps okay. your mental health. That's what's important. It helps me personally. <laughs> there you go. All right. I also, you know, I instead of if people are not readers, you can always like audiobooks are good, but you can also go to YouTube and literally type in guided meditation and mm-hmm. and listen to meditations. And you know, if you like if you like scripted medi- meditations or just music, just just to kind of be in your head, those are it's a great tool to use as well. YouTube has a, a whole lot of those, and you can. Oh, you know, I think meditation for Like for me, I I have several guided meditation uh, uh, channels uh, saved. I have. Uh, I'm actually getting into yoga. <laughs> yeah, yoga. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm literally accepting uh, that's what I was going to toss out today. There's a challenge that I'm going to be taking up for the whole month of um, for the whole month of November. And this basically involves me. That's why I've been enjoying my last few beers and my cigar, because I'm literally going to not going to smoke, not going to drink. I'm going to focus on my finances and I'm going to focus not only on my physical health, but also my mental health. I'll be trying the corner. <laughs> no, you know, I'm going to go through hell for the first few weeks. I already know this. Okay. I'm going to hate every second of this, but I believe that in order for me to basically better myself and to help other people out, which is why I'm going to post this up on our Facebook group chat or our Facebook group. I I want people to accept this challenge of, you know, seeking, uh, seeking therapy and taking care of themselves, not just, you know, uh, lifting weights, but also eating healthy, reading the right books, you know, stuff like that. And so with that, I'm just going to say that's going to be my challenge for this month of November. And hopefully it transitions, not just for the month of November, but it goes past that. Hopefully I can continue to do this 
you know, for years to come is basically, mm -hmm. you know, uh, focus on my mental health, focus on my physical health, focus on my finances, focus on my uh, relationship, not only with my friends, my families, but also my loved one. And just basically have fun with it. That's the best part about this journey is having fun with it. So in the next installment of our podcast, uh, I'll be giving updates. <laughs> it's probably I was going to say you should document it. Definitely document it. <laughs> oh, I plan on documenting this. It's going to be incredibly funny because I'm pretty sure some funny stories are going to come from this. Because If he doesn't, I will. <laughs> I, I, I do have a gym membership. I do have a gym membership and all this other stuff. And it's like, I am pretty sure some outlandish story that some people are like no that never happened it's like no it happened it's going to take place so i'm looking forward to this okay so tonight is my last night enjoying a good beer a good cigar and then uh midnight that's when everything i'm cut off from everything i basically have to start everything so i'm looking forward to this so with that said i want to say uh once again uh, thank you, cousin, for basically joining us. Absolutely. It has been a blast. Thank you very much. And as for our listeners, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, share, help the channel out. If you can donate, donate. That'd be lovely. That'd help us get more equipment. Hey, maybe even fund our trip to Ireland so we can do an Ireland special. I hope we can do that next year. So once again, thank you for listening and you guys have a good night. Okay. <laughs>